Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I am your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand, and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week, we have thought leaders, change instigators, and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive, and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love, and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning connection and resilience into your life and your business. As a way to thank our guests for their time, energy and wisdom, we would love to demonstrate our appreciation, gratitude and admiration. We would love to hear from you. What was your key takeout from today's session? By writing a review in Apple Podcasts with our guest's name and insight. And when you do, please make sure to take a photo and send your photo to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will send you a personalized cosmic blueprint for free. It's a report based on your unique birth chart to discover your true calling and how you can best make a difference in the world. Thank you. This week, as always, we have a super, super amazing guest for you. We have the beautiful Lovey Ajayi Jones. Lovey is a New York Times bestselling author, podcast host, and sought-after speaker who thrives at the intersection of justice, media, and professional troublemaking. Her debut book, I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual was released to critical acclaim, hitting the New York Times bestselling list at number five. Her new book, Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual, provides lists of actionable items and questions that you can pose to help face your fears. A 17-year blogging veteran, Lovey writes on her site, awesomelylovey.com, covering all things culture with a critical yet humorous lens. That same razor sharp voice spurred her wildly popular TED Talk, Get Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, to over 5 million views. She's an internationally recognized speaker who takes on dozens of stages every year around the globe and has spoken at some of the world's most innovative companies and conferences, including Google, Facebook, Amazon, Twitter, and the list goes on. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today I am excited about our guest. We have the lovely, lovey Ajay Jones, all the way from Chicago. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute honor. And the way that we start the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So, lovey, what inspired you to do what you do today? Oh, man. I'm inspired to do what I do because I know that my purpose is to use my words to make people 
feel joy, think critically and compel them to take action that leaves this world better than they found it. I'm inspired by the people who came before me who are professional troublemakers who disrupted and innovated for the greater good. So yeah, I'm, I'm just inspired by doing things that make the world better. I love that. And I, that's really going to link in to your book, The Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual, which I love the title. So talk us through the book. What are some of the things that our listeners will find in the book? Yes, I wrote Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual, because how will our lives be different if we stopped using fear as a first factor in our decision making? You know, how would our lives be be different and, and bigger and better if we stop letting fear stop us from doing what we're supposed to do, what we're purposed to do. And this book, I wanted this book to tell us that it's actually possible to constantly be afraid, but still do amazing things, still do audacious things. Professional troublemakers are the people in our world who disrupt for, because they know that when they do it thoughtfully, that it could lead to better things. It can lead to great impact. They're not the people who are contrarians or trolls. They're people who feel deeply responsible for elevating the rooms that they're in, the relationships that they're in, the companies that they work for. And, you know, we all know them. We might be them. And I think it's time for us to celebrate them and to get and create more troublemakers in the world. I love that. I love the troublemakers. I've got this because I'm quite a rebellious little individual uh, at heart. So how does one acknowledge fear, one? Because I think that fear sometimes we don't even – we're not even aware because it's so deeply ingrained in us. It's, it's kind of like hidden in that shadow or the, that deeper part of our mind. How does one acknowledge fear in the first place? And then what do we do with it? Well, the thing about fear is it is universal. It is To be afraid is to be human. Life will always give us something to be fearful of, whether small or big. So once we acknowledge it, then we know, okay, I feel this feeling, which is natural, because we attach a lot of guilt and shame to being afraid. But first saying, yes, I feel it. But now I'm not going to let it be what stops me. I'm not going to make this decision purely from a place of fear and anxiety. And for me, what fearlessness means is that we don't let something, we don't let fear make us do less. You know, and it is all about understanding that courage is a decision. But you need fear. You cannot have courage without fear. So how do we choose courage in the moments when we have the choice, where, where we can actually do that thing that feels tough, say that thing that feels tough, ask our boss for a raise, quit that job that we've been thinking about, have that tough conversation with our friends. How do we do that? That's what I want, want this book to kind of give you the tools to do. So because as you're talking through it, I have to say that I probably uh, stumbled across a fear that I had, which I wasn't even aware of, fear of success. But I, I can't really mm-hmm. connect with um, the guilt or shame to it. And I still can't understand. I mean, I, I know that the fear of success after I really delved into it, it was about fear of standing in my truth, fear of standing in my light, fear of standing in my power. So talk us through, I'd really like to unpack the guilt and shame around the fear. Yes, fear of success is real because women are especially 
not given permission to be successful or to want to be wealthy or to want to, you know, build these grand careers. Men are though, they're expected to, we tend to be told to apologize for it. So then we are fearful of, you know, not being humble. We are fearful and will tie guilt to when we do start making money. Sometimes we'll self-sabotage to get us back to what feels comfortable, but we can't let that stop us. Like we don't exist in this world to make other people happy. That's not our the, the goal here. Our goal is to not betray ourselves much. It's to self-sacrifice as little as possible. I believe that women should want to build wealth and they should do it without guilt because I don't know about you. I trust women with money more than I trust men because we are service-minded. We will use that money for good. Think about Mackenzie Scott who got $50 billion in her divorce to Jeff Bezos. In over a year, this woman has given away so much of her money and done so much good that it's just countless amount of, there's countless impact that has been tied to her being able to make money. For any woman out there who is feeling guilty about making money, think about it like this. You making money is a form of service. It is a form of economic justice because when you make money, you will give it back. You will give back more than you've probably made um, because you care about the world, because you care about people, because you care about nurturing other, other human beings. So just know that your money can be used for good. Your money is a form of service. So we want you to have it so you can now give it away to those who need it. I, I do really love that. And I think that I can really connect when you talk about guilt, because uh, I know that I used to, and I still do, of course, and I'm sure that our listeners are listening to this and think, how do I stop self-sabotaging? Because it is, it's almost like when you have money, there's this guilt component. And I, I, I think it could, it could be part of my DNA that I don't like to hang on to it. So I give it away. I give it away. So what would be some tips that you would like to share with the like-minded like myself and those listeners that uh you know do feel guilty of hanging on to money and therefore give it away how do we stop self-sabotaging you stop self-sabotaging by really deeply believing that you deserve this you deserve good things one of the things about being a woman in this world is we're constantly being cut to size. We're being told to stay in our place. We are not told that it's okay for us to live bold worlds. Actually, it's not just okay. I need us to live bold worlds. I need us to be audacious. I need us to dream really big because when we do, the world wins. The world wins when women get more education. The world wins when women get more money. The world wins when women are more whole. So it's actually our job to do this. I think it is our job to understand that suffering is not the badge of honor. It's not, it's not a badge of honor. It's not the badge of honor. And our goodness is not tied to how much we suffer. So when good things come our way, let's accept them. Let's not constantly doubt whether we deserve it. We deserve it. If not us, then who? So true. It just reminds me of another guest that we had on the show one day when we were talking about people-pleasing, for example, and, um, and and she was saying that she sees a lot of women, specific, specifically women, being of service and being a people-pleaser. And when you're talking about accepting, it kind of really dawned on me about her uh, question to me was, 
are your receiving channels open? And I was like, wow, I don't know how to respond to that. And it was as simple as when you get a compliment, how do you respond? And I'm like, oh, I don't say thank you. I find that really uncomfortable. And then I'll say, oh, I got mm-hmm. this at da, da, da. So it was a bargain. So I always downplay things. And so when we're talking about acceptance, I think that's that's also a hard thing to do. Yeah. So so one thing I want us to realize is we don't do anybody favors by by diminishing ourselves and not allowing ourselves to be celebrated. One of the the person at the core of professional troublemakers, my grandmother, Fumilayo Faloi. One of the things that I watched growing up with her, especially, my grandmother reveled in being celebrated, reveled in it, loved it, let it happen. I mean, every Sunday when she was coming to church, when she arrived at church, the church choir would stop singing and change the music to one of her favorite songs and sing her down the aisle as she's just walking down the aisle. And she spent 20 minutes dancing with them. She didn't run down the aisle and sit down and go, no, 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 it's fine, guys. No, nobody wins when we diminish ourselves, when we don't know how to receive compliments, because what we're saying is, well, I want to be able to give compliments to people, but then why can't we receive it? If we consider ourselves service minded and we feel good when we give people things, why don't we allow other people to feel good by giving us things, whether it's compliments money, energy, time, advice. I think allowing ourselves to receive love is a form of humility because part of the reason why we want to just give, 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 because it makes us feel good. We want to feel really good, but let's also feel good when somebody else is showing us that type of love. So yeah, receive the compliment. When somebody says, I love your dress, say, thank you. I really picked it out today because I wanted to wear it. It's one of my favorite ones. Mm. It's not a bad thing. You know, say thank you because they mean it, one. And two, you know you love that dress. Come on. And also, it's somebody else trying to serve you. It's a, it's a, I think it's generosity to receive it gracefully. It's true because what we're doing by not accepting it, we're actually depriving them of feeling good of giving a compliment, yes. right? So yes. it, it does work bo- both ways when you think about it. Absolutely. So I'm really curious, how did you come up with the title Professional Troublemaker? Because as as when I looked at that, I was thinking, uh, does that mean that we uh, challenge ourselves? Does that mean that we maybe get out of our comfort zone? I mean, what does it mean exactly? To be a professional troublemaker is to be a truth teller. It's to be a trailblazer, a change agent. And what that really just means is you you are a person who is committed to making your voice heard, especially when it's hard, in whatever room that you're in. It means you're the person who's committed to doing what feels hard, wherever you are. And over time, it does look like trouble because usually if you're speaking in your mind or you're saying, hey, let's think about this campaign problem or this message that we want to put out, let's make sure it's being thoughtful, you might be going against whoever else is in the room because everybody else loves the idea. But to make trouble is really to innovate, is to challenge thoughtfully, is to make sure that anything that happens in a room you're in, you're proud of. And I wanted to call this book Professional Troublemaker because I am one. I've spent my career as somebody who's critiquing culture, systems, ideas, and people. And also, there are so many people who are troublemakers out there. And it's a good thing. I think about John Lewis, you know, the late, great John Lewis who said, 
we have to be we have to make necessary trouble, good trouble. This world that we live in exists because of professional troublemakers. Everything that's around us, including the computers that we use, the lighting that we use, the microphones that we're using, were created by troublemakers, people who thought, hmm, we should be able to do this thing easier. We should do, be able to do it different. Let's innovate. Let's do something new that's going to serve all of us. So the world needs more professional troublemakers. And I am one, and I'm hoping to create a generation of troublemakers. I'm hoping my book helps us understand that we need to celebrate troublemakers, not silence them. Because troublemakers are the people who make sure they're watching out for you. They're giving you the honest truth in the best way they know how. They're looking out for your best interest. They're not just saying, yes, 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 do that thing, no matter how harmful it is. I love that. And I, I think that when you were talking through that, I was just thinking that, and I see this quite a lot, a lot of women hold back from standing in their truth and speaking their mind in the fear of being judged, in the fear that maybe there'll be, there's a consequence for them speaking the truth. Uh, and especially I see this in corporation in large corporations where they sit back and it's not till later when we're having a cup of coffee or a tea and then we're having a conversation that they say, yeah, I, I didn't quite agree with that. And it's like, well, mm -hmm. why do you say anything? It's like, no, I don't mm -hmm. want to rock the boat. I don't want to be the bad person. I don't want to be the person that stands out because I spoke my, my truth. You're not being a bad person by speaking your truth. Bad people are murderers, are rapists. Bad people are not people who are telling the truth, you know, just because somebody in the room doesn't agree with you or doesn't receive what you said in the way you intended, doesn't make you a bad person. And I think that's part of the reason why we have to really embrace being troublemakers. We have to be okay knowing that we will sometimes run afoul of people. Sometimes everybody won't love us or like us. And that's okay because for you to exist in this world and everybody likes you, you've done or said nothing of note or impact. There's no way, you know, we constantly thinking about how do I make sure other people don't like me? But what about the, the people who already love you? How are you making sure you're speaking up for them and deepening your connection to them? We should worry less about the people who don't like us. Mm. We should, because it doesn't serve us to worry about them. They're not our people. Yeah, it is easier said than done. So what would be some uh, things that our listeners could find in your book? What would be some tips to uh, embrace being a troublemaker and standing in your truth? Yes. In the moments when you are afraid of saying or doing something that feels big, you know, quantify your decision-making. I have. I think it's when I, when I, can, when I can turn my decision-making into a math problem, life is easier because it's less thinking for me. But I think, for example... When it's time to say what's rough or what feels tough, what I do is I ask myself three questions. And if the answer is yes to all three, I say whatever it is, and then I handle whatever happens. And the first question is, do I mean it? This thing that I'm about to say, is it something that I actually believe, okay? Two, can I defend it? If I am challenged on it or I'm asked to present a basis for my opinion, do I have that thing ready? right? Is it based in something beyond just like my feelings? And then three, can I say it thoughtfully? So when the answer is yes to all three, I say it because I realize that that's my obligation to say it. That is my job in that space. And I've done the work of, I'm not being impulsive, which is where the questions also help. It shows you that you're not being impulsive. And then 
it basically helps you mitigate risk. It's not saying that when you do this, everybody will love what you say. But if you follow those, you are less likely to say it in a way that somebody might be offended about, or you're less likely to be a contrarian because you actually do mean whatever that thing was. So what you're saying at is you're giving yourself the space. You've got to be really conscious, right? And then therefore you're not reacting, you're actually responding because you've got the space. You've actually thought it through before you speak your mind. Correct. You're not being impulsive. You're not just saying something just to hear your own voice. And, you know, in these rooms, hopefully you have backup, right? So when you say that thing, somebody else might be like, oh, I agree. But here's the thing. They were waiting on somebody. They were waiting on permission to say it. So sometimes you have to not just be your own permission, you're somebody else's permission. So during your this whole process for you, obviously you've written a book and and you and it's it, you've drawn it through some of your life experiences. What has been uh, a greatest lesson learned that you've you've learned thus far through the whole process? The lesson that I learned over and over again is that in the moments when I feel afraid or something feels too big for me, and I do it anyway, I win. The times when I am being truly fearless, I win. And for me, fearlessness means I am not letting fear make me do less. You know, my TED talk that now has 5 million views, I turned it down twice because I was afraid that I wasn't ready for it. But I finally did it after a friend was like, I need you to do this. And this friend basically loaned me courage to do it. And I did it. And Every day I still get messages about that TED Talk. I still get speaking engagements from that TED Talk. And again, when I moved in fear, I said no to that thing. When I was like, you know what? I'm afraid and I'm going to do it anyway. And I said yes. It turned out way better than anything I could have ever thought about. So understanding that we should not let fear make us opt out of the best case scenario because we are afraid of the worst case scenario. I love that you've loaned some, like loaned courage from somebody else because sometimes I find that it is hard to uh, find that courage or to say, hey, I'm going to feel the fear and do it anyway. Uh, I love that you can actually borrow courage from somebody else. That's really cool. I've not ever heard of that. Yes, you can absolutely borrow courage and power from other people because these things are limitless. There's a there's an infinite supply of courage. So if I loan you my courage, I still have enough for me. You know, so I'm hoping this book loans people courage in the moments when they might not have it. I'm hoping as you read through the chapters and you're reading my story and my grandmother's story, that you're being infused with some power that you might not have realized you had. And all that does, it, ma it makes me feel more powerful and more courageous because it lets me know that I must continue to stand in that type of courage, I must continue to live an audacious life because when I do it, it inspires somebody else to do the same. And that's world changing work. I love that. So for our listeners, did you want to uh, maybe give us a little bit of insight uh, about your TED talk? Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes, that TED talk is very much what spurred this book. In that TED talk, I talk about, you know, how we use fear to stop us from doing what we are purposed to do and why we can't do it. We shouldn't do it. We're going to have to get comfortable or we're going to have to sit in the discomfort and the fear. 
and do those big things because that's when we soar. That's when we can see the life that we want to live come true. And that TED talk is what spurred me to write this book because as people wrote me messages every day about what the TED talk compelled them to do, I realized that fear is something that we must tackle on a bigger scale. It's the, I realized I wanted to write a book to accompany it that I would be able to give to my kids that I can give to, you know, college students. I know that I can give to women who are in their career, who sometimes are told that this is not what you're supposed to be doing or are told that they're not good enough. I've got uh, a bubbling question here when I, I think about fear because I know we all have it and we all experience it and then it's what we do with it. And I think that sometimes what we do is we don't like to address it. And I always think about fear, dance with fear. Do you think that sometimes fear does serve us in some way, shape or form? It has a purpose. And then that once we can identify how it's serving us or no longer serving us and what the purpose is, only then can we integrate it. What are your th thoughts around that? You fell out, you dropped out doubt out for me for a hot second. Can you reply uh, the last 10 seconds? No, that's okay. What I was saying is the thing that bubbled up for me is we all experience fear. And, and some of us don't want to face fear, right? So we, we just turn our head away from it and, and let it sit there. Whereas I always say that for me, it's about dancing with fear. And that sometimes, and this is just from my experience, so I'd really like to get your thoughts on it, is that sometimes, because um, I do a lot of journaling, a lot of writing, that sometimes fear in itself, it has a purpose. It serves us in some way, shape or form. And only then once we can identify its existence, only then can we integrate fear. So what are your thoughts around it serving us or it has a purpose? Yes, absolutely. So fear keeps us from, you know, jumping off a cliff without a parachute, right? Fear keeps us from putting our hand in fire. But that same emotion is what keeps us from having a tough conversation with a colleague or a family member or speaking up in the moments we need to, or asking our boss for a raise. I think fear is useful to keep us from physical danger, but everything is not physical danger. You know, everything is not on fire. So we can't use the same emotion that keeps us from doing those physically harmful things, from doing the things that we're actually supposed to do, going after the, the degree that we want, you know, having the, applying for the job that we want, those things. And I think it's really important for, for us to keep that in mind. I think every emotion is useful. Fear in itself is useful. Honestly, sometimes when I'm afraid about something I'm about to do or a season I'm about to step in, I realize it's about to be big. So this, it spurs me to prepare more, to make sure I have everything around me that I need. Mm, I love that. And it is true. I think that, you know, with all of my experiences, when I have faced fear, it's always helped me grow and expand in some way. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So, um, Lovey, I would love to maybe talk a little bit about your first book, I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about that book? Yes, I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual came out September 13, 2016. And in that book, I'm talking about how honestly, humans can be trash, and we're gonna have to 
fix ourselves. We're all terrible in different ways. And I am judging us, even though people go, oh my God, we're not supposed to judge each other. But we do though. We judge each other on the wrong things, like what we look like, how much we weigh, who we love, what God we may or may not worship. When we should be judging each other on how are we showing up for our fellow human beings? How are we being kind? How are we living a life that we are proud of? So yeah, that's what my first book is about. It is, it's funny. It's, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it does. Sometimes you're going to laugh. You're going to think, and it's a book that for me, I'm really proud of because it stood the test of time. I still get tagged to it every single day from somebody who's reading it and cheering on what is in it. I do love that. And I think it's when you were talking about judgment, it made me think about a class once when I was facilitating and there was a lady who said, I never judge people, absolutely never judge. I went, okay, so I waited for a little while and I said, I'm just curious, what was your first impression of me? And then she started, you know, giving me and I went, that is judgment. Mm That is judgment. Correct. It doesn't, it doesn't even have to be good or bad, but we do have judgment. And imagine if we didn't judge, who would we be then? Correct. Mm. I don't think there's problem in judgment. Again, it goes down to what we're judging. You know, we, I want us to be honest. We're so afraid of running a file of people. Oh, I don't judge anybody. Yes, you do. It's human nature. It is literally science. Nobody's walking around, you know, on with no opinions on anything. That's not true. That's not how you're supposed to exist. And I don't think the measure of a good human is somebody who never judges. The measure of a good human is somebody who is feeling responsible for other human beings, who, who is deeply committed to respecting other human beings, who does not see somebody's difference as a form of superiority or inferiority, you know, and who, who understands that we are all deeply tied together. That's a good human, you know, somebody who is deeply loved because they show up in a way that is generous and generosity looks like kindness. Mm, I love it. As you're speaking, I'm just thinking, I wonder, because you talked about your grandmother, how she was a great influence on you. Do you feel that, you know, she was part of even your first book and your second book and your TED Talk? And even so, do you really connect with your grandmother on a regular basis? I just feel like there's this real presence of, of um, you know, she's got your back. My grandmother passed 10 years ago and I know her prayers still cover me. She, who she was is, is, in everything that I do because who she was taught me that who I am was good enough. Um, and that is, that permeates my writing that permeates my speaking. It is in, yeah, these books, it is in my podcast. So absolutely. My grandmother's fingerprints and legacy are modeled through me and how I show up. So yeah. I, and in this book, her being at the core of the book, is the perfect tribute for her being gone for 10 years could not have called that time in any more perfect. So yeah, I, I, I am here and able to do the work that I do and I'm humble about it. Not because I'm saying I'm not good at what I do. I'm amazing as a writer, as a speaker, but I, the humble comes in knowing that it's due to people who came before me, like my grandmother. It's, it's due to 
mentors and friends who've said my name in rooms that I've not been in is due to God's grace. So I, I walk with all of that. And I basically make sure I walk in every room knowing that I am part of a community, that I am loved, that I am enough. And I hope other people feel that about themselves. This, you've got this, this beautiful oh, power about you when you speak. It's like you draw people in. It's beautiful. And for, for our listeners, uh, Lovey does have a uh, podcast, Rants and Randomness. Uh, no, so us- my podcast is actually called Professional Troublemaker now. Oh, is it? So you've changed it because I, when I did a bit of research, I, saw, I found Rants and Randomness. So I love that. So talk us through the podcast. Yes. So I have a podcast called Professional Troublemaker. It used to be called Rants and Randomness, but we renamed it because I realized this whole time my guests are people who I consider professional troublemakers, people who are disrupting and innovating for the greater good, that no matter what industry they're in, their stories and their lives are full of moments when they have chosen fear. I mean, full of moments where they've chosen courage. So in my podcast, I actually am in conversation. Um with just amazing people to know what is behind the success. How did they become these people who seem fearless, who seem fierce? What is the story behind the level up? And yeah, I love doing it. I, I just love talking and finding out the stories of, of really interesting people. Yeah, I agree. I think stories really inspire and invoke uh, movement in, uh, I guess, the, the most of us. So I guess with all your interviews, I, what would be one of those qualities? Because when you're talking about them being disruptive or disrupting and courageous, what's one of those qualities or those things that, that you found that was kind of like the, 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 the link between all of these narratives? Um, I really think the link is that not necessarily that they're all extraordinary people. I think there were ordinary people who did the same thing or did certain things over and over again, and they got really good at it. That's what it is. Like we often think that people are extraordinary. No, no, they're ordinary people who did things in practice consistently and well over a certain time, and they won because of it. And it is true, it is about being consistent. I mean, sometimes you hear about people, they get to a point in their life where they become famous and people think, oh my God, that was an overnight success. But then when you actually speak to the individual, they've been at it for 15 or 20 years before they hit their peak. Yeah, I call myself a 18-year overnight success. I've been blogging since 2003. And then when people see my books and they see my podcast and they're like, oh my God. And I'm like, I have been at this for a long while. Yep. Spot on. And so do you have a, a, another book that's coming up or another, another book that's in your mind that you like to start putting into action? No, not yet. I mean, I'm sure I have another book, but I think I am really comfortable with sitting in this one for a while. We're often looking at what's next. I'm like, no, I'm going to actually sit in what's now and revel in this current book that Mm. I've created that I'm really proud of. And I haven't started thinking about book three yet because I'm just like, book two hasn't even come out yet. So I'm going to rest in that for a bit. Yeah, and that's a really important, and and this is for our listeners, this is a really important point that you just uh, brought up then because we do as entrepreneurs, we always go, what's next? What's, you know, that's this is done, tick, 
you know, let's go to the, instead of actually sitting, I like the fact that you said, let's sit in it because this is what I find a lot of us do is move to the next thing and not really embrace and enjoy in the current moment and actually help expand what, what, what is right now. Absolutely. I think, again, I, we are a grind, grinding society. And I think about, there's, a, there's an account called the NAP Ministry that says we can rest. So I'm trying to take that on a bit and, and resting and not just running past this accomplishment. And yes, we are, especially as entrepreneurs, we're like, okay, on, on, let's keep on going. But I'm like, you know what? What happens if we stop, smell the roses for a little bit, take a break before running again? Mm, that's so true you must be very good with time because you do you do a lot you're very creative and uh I'm curious what is a day in a life with lovey (laughs) sometimes I'm good with time I'm surrounded by people who allow me to get things done you know shout out to my team who do a lot you know I am not a solopreneur I am backed by a lot of amazing women Um, and then, you know, I try to keep a to-do list, a project plan. I am a fan of spreadsheets (laughs) and, uh, software to automate my life as much as possible. So I live and breathe by my Google calendar and that's how I manage my time and I get things done. And apart from Google, are there any other software that we should all be familiar or, uh, acknowledge? Yes, I use Basecamp for my to-do lists. Um, I use WhatsApp to talk to my team. And yeah, those two for sure. Mm, that's like, so Basecamp is a little bit like Trello, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yep. It's like Asana. Yeah. You know, so yeah, my team uses Asana themselves. I am in Basecamp because I was like, I prefer this one. So you guys can use that one. I'll use this. Love it. Absolutely love it. So as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask a woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you, my dearest? (laughs) Troublemaking. I was waiting for you to say troublemaker. Of course. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing of the last question is we always love to ask a woman of inspiration to share three shiny golden nuggets or three practical exercises for our listeners today. Yes. One, under promise and over deliver. This works whether professionally or personally. Just always aspire to blow people's minds and, and blow their expectations out the water. Um. Two, be fearless. And what that means is don't let fear make you do less. And then three, honor yourself. And you honor yourself by honoring the people around you and honoring your truth. Oh, I love all three of them. Thank you so very much. And where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Oh, my listeners. Oh, well, your listeners can find me across social media. I am at L-U-V-V-I-E, at Lovey on all platforms. One word. And buy my book, Buy Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual. Come to my book tour stop because I'm going to be in conversation with across um, seven stops, virtual. They're all virtual because pandemic. I'm going to be in conversation with seven amazing conversation partners, Glennon Doyle, Esther Perel, Brittany Packnett Cunningham, Miley Teal, Gabrielle Union, Kev on stage, Kalana Barfield-Brown. And they can find any information about my book, my tour, 
at professionaltroublemakerbook.com. Absolutely love it. We'll have that in the show notes, all the links. And look, I highly recommend for our listeners to check Lovey out. She is amazing. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, and for coming on the show. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit that subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katrinplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Catherine Plano. Until next week, please take care of yourself. Much love and gratitude. Thank you.